Welcome to another episode of View from the Box. Even though there was no Premier League this weekend, we're still recording. Nana, what are you saying? Yeah, man. It's been a quite boring weekend. Being forced to watch certain La Liga games or certain Serie games that I'm not interested in, but... You could even fake it for our fans. Fam, like, like, I only watch certain teams in Serie fam. AC Milan, who I watched. Inter Milan, who I watched. Napoli. Yeah. Like, at Juve, I'm not watching that shit because... They're playing right now. I know. I'm watching the Monaco Leon instead because I let me play some some of the most turgid football. Like, if it wasn't for the PR trying to virtue signal, yeah, we would have watched um, Mitrovic and Duncan Fofana at the back post. Then, but it is what it is, man. It is what it is. And you know what? You spoke about Allegri. You spoke about Fofana. And I think the best place to start is Tuchel because Allegri plays uh, terrorist ball. Tuchel was playing terrorist ball. And he got sacked. And it's funny because... We spoke about him potentially getting sacked. I don't think we thought he'd get sacked this yeah. quickly. But if our fans remember, we said there was one coach we did not want to go to Chelsea and he's gone to Chelsea. But before yeah, we talk Potter. about Graham Potter, thoughts on Tuchel getting sacked? Because I thought him getting sacked was coming. Well, we both did. Yeah, but I thought it was premature. Yeah, very, I, I thought we were like a just before the World Cup type thing. But Exactly. Literally as the window has closed. Uh, when I, basically, uh, one morning I woke. I, I'm working from home. My my, my phone. Two shows sat by Chelsea. I was like, "What the hell?" Then I see that uh, Potter is close to being in charge. I'm like, "For fuck's sake!" Like that's not a long term threat. And now, yeah, they're trying to poach Ocampos from PSG as technical director. Yep, and he's he's only been at PSG for a minute. Three months. And- Three months. And look, and look and look at how he's changed. He's changed them in terms of PSG's midfield. Everyone that's watched PSG always said they need more midfielders because Verratti can do it on his own. They get Vitinha, they get Ruiz, they get Sanchez. They get, they get Carlos Soler as well. Like exactly. In one summer, he fixed their midfield. Something that Leonardo couldn't do in 10. In 10. So imagine what he's going to do with Chelsea with more, or not more money, equal amount of money or yeah. just less and a good coach and long-term planning. But before we talk about the future of Chelsea... Why do you think Tuchel got sacked now? Because based like based on, on the stuff that's come out in the Athletic here, it seems like Todd Bowley had put in his in his sights for a while when he bought mm. Chelsea. So it was a matter of cool, let me stick with Tuchel right now and see what happens. And Tuchel just offered himself on a platter <laughs> free, freely on a platter for Todd Bowley to pull the trigger. And Todd Bowley has now got his man. Basically, there's a breakdown in relationships. Um Todd Bowley wants to be more involved in the recruitment, but Tuchel prefers to work on his own. So basically, it's just a clash of personalities, in my opinion. Not, nothing more than that, to be fair. And, and coupled that with the diabolical football and, and certain members of the squad being disillusioned with his, with his methods, yeah, he was fighting a losing battle. He was fighting a losing battle because when he first came to Chelsea and anyone who's a long-term listener, we rated Tuchel, even when Chelsea won that great last season, we said that he's a good tactician. In terms of cup management, he's probably one of the best cup managers there is out there. But his last 50 games for Chelsea was Lampard level. So if you look at that and the history of Chelsea, it's no shock that he got sacked. But he's a good coach and a lot of people have been saying enter Juve, these clubs there should be going for Tuchel. And I fully agree. But it's sad because at the end of the day, I don't like seeing managers getting sat prematurely, but it's football's a cold game. It's a very cold game. Yeah, very, very cold. Very, very cold. And I feel like 
even though like some people might get onto Todd Bowley because he's American and a lot of people don't like Americans in football, the fact that they, um, a lot of some of the players that Chelsea got were molded around Tuchel and his formation. And you sack him straight after. I feel like that was the only dumb thing Todd Bowley did. Yeah. But in terms of long term, I feel like he's actually been a good owner because at the end of the day, tying down your young talents to long term contracts is always a yeah, good thing. Contract six years, it's, seven years. Six, because if they don't, let's say for example, Broha, he doesn't do well in two three years. They can sell him and get money out of him. Yeah instead of him going for free or just loaning him out and getting no money. So it's a change from the previous system. The fact that they tried to get Michael Edwards, who is one of, who was one of the best directors of football yeah. in the last five years, and now they're trying to get Luis Campos, who is, as we've explained, one of the best. So I feel like, yes, sacking Tuchel wasn't smart now, in my opinion, but I feel like his plans moving forward are going to be good yeah, for Chelsea. I remember a few weeks back, we said that this window here doesn't... It seems like Todboli is doing is a Todboli project, as we mentioned, as we mentioned earlier on our tour, based on the signings that he made. Like it, it flew under the radar. Likes of Slonina from Chicago Fire, long-term replacement for Mendy, um, the kid from Inter Milan, yeah, Carney, Chuko, and Mecca. Yeah. Um, which are young signings that they make that for the future? I'll say those are the main young signings that were in Todd Bowley's image, but then there were some players that were bought because Tuchel wanted them. So, yeah. for example, Raheem Fofana. Sterling, Tuchel wanted Sterling, and Todd Bowley wanted Ronaldo, and that's one of the sticking points in their relationship. Obama Young as well, Tuchel wanted Obama Young. So I feel like it was 50-50, but now that he has a young manager and he's going to get that, he's trying to get a director of football that encourages young talent or players who are not superstars yet, it's still going to be the Todd Bowley project, but with Graham Potter spearheading it. Yeah. Also, I think going forward, Todd Bowley needs to realise if you get a young manager like Potter, big star signings ain't the way to go. For example, like him wanting like so Ronaldo, that can't work with Graham Potter in charge. Yeah, he, he he needs to dead the whole Ronaldo thing. I understand why he'd want to get Ronaldo, new owner. You want to impress the fans. For somebody that's not that knowledgeable in football, you're getting the biggest name in football. I hear it, but from a practical point of view, Ronaldo's yesterday's man. He's not tomorrow's man. Yeah. So they need to get a tomorrow's yeah. man. Let's see what Broha can do under Graham Potter. But I feel like this season, people, I don't feel like people should fully judge Graham Potter. Just like yeah. when Klopp first came, I felt it was unfair whoever was judging him. When Arteta first came, it was unfair for whoever was first judging him. These managers need time, especially when you come midway yeah. through the a season. Exactly. So also, don't expect fireworks from Graham Potter straight also, away. If, people need to understand here, he will make mistakes. Like at Brighton. 100%. At Brighton, he obviously went three months without winning. Like, Exactly. Like, with these young JDP managers here, they'll have periods where things are a bit sticky, where they'll scare you thinking, are you a scrub? Or are you okay? Like, where's this going? But these type of managers need to stick, stick with them through the ups and the lows, which are inevitable. But for that short term, yeah, certain players that might that may benefit from Potter and Charge, yeah, or probably Aubameyang, because Brian's system, yeah, creates so much cutbacks and tappings. Yeah, so, and that's tailored to Alba. Yeah, I think short term that'll benefit Alba, but I think Alba that will stop him from doing well under Potter is well create. Will he buy into what Potter wants from his strikers? Because see the way Potter used Walbeck. Walbeck yeah. drops, drops deep, deep, runs the channels, yeah. harasses defenders. Yeah. And this iteration of Obama Yang doesn't do that. His legs, yeah. his legs have gone. Yeah. It's just it's just unfortunate that yeah, legs are gone. He's, he's older he, now. 
he can't beat most Premier League defenders with pace anymore. No, as we saw in his latter like, like months, like mm-hmm. in, in behind one on one. Yeah, you, you, you're catching up to Alba, so I, I think that's why Alba might not thrive on the pot if he's not going to buy him fully. The the cutback park and tapping part, he would do that well, but the stuff outside that, which pot may want, that might be stickable. Also, it seems like Potter before he left right, he was um running a three five two. Yeah, yeah, he was playing to be at the back last season as yeah. well. And also, lately he's running, he's running a three five two. So, if I'm Potter, it might be a Sterling and Roha up top type thing. I think that would be the yeah. Best. In terms of tailored to his vision, um, Broha and Sterling front two might be very beneficial. But Broha to run the channels, harass defenders, link up play, and Sterling to get on the end of chances inside the box. So short term will work. I feel like he'll love Jorginho. 100%. He'll love Kante. He'll love yeah. Kovacic. He'll, yeah. lo- he'll love those players. Gallagher needs to improve because his start under Tuchel was very underwhelming. Yeah. He looks like I, a I, D I think, in the headlights and he just needs to improve. I feel like Gallagher may struggle under, under Potter, but then again, in, in, in Potter's 3-5-2, where you have maybe Kova and Jorginho doing all the playmaking and the and the controlling the tempo, he can use Gallagher as that third midfield man run Exactly. So Support the front work. too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now yeah. it can it can definitely work. But before we move on, let's actually break down why we why we actually said Potter why we were scared of Potter because we just said it as a blanket statement. But I feel like with Brighton, like this season, for example, they've lost Cucurella, they've lost Mope, they've lost Basuma. But the way they build up, the way they create chances has not changed. And when you see that in a team, that is a sign of a good manager. The way he coaches his team to progress the ball from back to front. Brighton, whatever game they play in, they'll always, even if they play bad, they'll always have a 10, 15-minute spell where they're getting the ball from back to front and they're harassing teams. And that's a sign of a good coach. And he's done it with players who, let's be honest, are not world-class, are not even close to being world-class, but they cause any team in the Premier League a problem. City, Liverpool, Arsenal, United, Chelsea, Spurs, any team yeah. in the Premier League. Uh, also, no, Potter has made Brighton on bogey side. Then again, when they're, they're always been on bogey side since, since they got back up anyway, even on the Christian, they've always been on bogey side away from home. Like, we've only won once away to Brighton since they got promoted, so they've always been on bogey side regardless, man. But but that 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 does that doesn't take away from the point yeah, that yeah. under Chris Hutton it was more of a smash and grab, but under Graham Potter there will be periods of the game where yeah, bopping yeah, they're, they're bopping you. Even even Liverpool when we went on to win the league and when we were dominating everyone, we played Brighton at Anfield. We, even though we won two one, that was the first time that season that a team had more possession than us. Yeah. So also, that's how also, good of a coach he is. Also, like before we went, I want to touch on Brighton and their search for a new coach. They've linked with two very good coaches, um, the Bodo Glimp coach and and um, Roberto De Zerbi, the former Sassuolo coach. And the, their succession plan is, is, is flipping amazing. But I think with the coach from Bodo Glimp, he's more of the potter more. Like, he likes to throw at the back. And De Zerbi likes to play a 4-2-3-1 or 4-4-2 type thing. So... If they got the Zerbi, I'd be interested to see how they transition from a three at the back team to a four at the back team. They'll leak that, more goals. Yeah. You know, the, the goals are saying they'll leak more goals, but they'll probably create more chances and score more because the Zerbi plays a brand of JDP, which is his his version is quite interesting. Having the, the, the keeper push up into midfield as a, as a third, as an extra outfield player, like it's quite interesting, quite interesting. So, and Brian, yeah, but Brian moving forward, they're very interesting. Uh, it's very interesting, and I really like Brighton. We've spoken about Brighton and Brentford 
on this podcast this season. But the reason why I like Brighton, that is a team that's that's a club that's run well. They have a system in place. They have a system in place in terms of the type of football they want to play. So that means they'll always go for certain types of managers. And then in terms of players as well, you see Busuma left. Everyone thought they'll be struggling. Casado has has fitted in. Enoch Mwepo has fitted in. Like this is the type of, this is what they do. So I'm very happy. And it looks like if they continue like this, they're going to be a, they're going to be a Premier League side. It will be a while till they go down. And that's 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 what you want, an established yeah. Premier League side that plays good football. Yeah. So before we move on, yeah, what do you think? What's next for Tuchel? Um, he's definitely going to get a top job because at the end of the day, he's still a good manager. He's yeah. one of the best cup managers in the whole world. He made the FA Cup final, what, twice? He made the Carabao Cup final. He made the Champions League final. Um, uh, last season, he got knocked out by the eventual winners. I feel like with him, going back to Germany, he shouldn't do that unless it's yeah. Bayern Munich. Yeah. I can't see him at another Premier League club, maybe Spurs after Conte, but that'll be next season. Yeah. But for him, his main target right now should be Juve and Inter. I feel yeah. like those two teams are sleeping giants. Even though Inter won the league two seasons ago and came second last season, Inter are not where they should be. In Champions League, they're not a threat. And yeah. even in Serie A, it's not as if you're like, yeah, they're definitely going to win the league. They're always a maybe. I feel like yeah. Tuchel can turn them from a maybe to a team that can, yeah. because, one of the favourites, yeah. and actually compete in the Champions yeah. because, League. So those two teams he should go for. Because... Uh, because with Italian watchers of football, people that watch Italian football, they say that under in Simone Inzaghi, yeah, Inter aren't scary. Like, they're quite mm. frail. Mm-hmm. And with Simone Inzaghi, yeah, that's been a problem with his coaching. If you remember... When Napoli as well. Up, yeah, even Napoli are more, I've seen that more of a threat. Just that Napoli lack the depth to compete all the, all the way. But yeah, with Simone Inzaghi, yeah, I, I just, he's, he's such a nearly man in, in football. That's sad, what he is. That's what, eight, eight points, ten points clear? Then when it final eight, eight games of the season or final 10 games lost it to a very poor Juve side in, in the end who won it with 82 points so yeah like that, that's a black mark on his thing and last season they, they even bottled it to AC Milan who had no right to win Serie A last season even yeah. now yeah, Milan play the best football in, in Serie A not gonna lie they do they do they're grinding out results and as far as season I said Intel were favourites but the way Intel started yeah, it might, might be another long race where can go either way but yeah too sure would thrive in Italy his this current iteration of too sure would thrive in Italy and I feel I feel like Tuchel uh, in Italy will be good because he'll bring the intensity that's needed for Italian football to take it to the next level because technically and tactically Italian football is either on par just below the Premier League where the Premier League sets itself apart is it just has way more intensity so it's a triple threat the Italian teams don't have the triple threat well when we when we go on to our next topic, it might seem like I'm uh, um, going back on myself. But in general, the, Inta- the Italian teams generally don't have that triple yeah. threat. So I, I believe Juve will be, will be the most interesting job for him. Yeah, that's a proper rebuild. Yeah, yeah proper rebuild. Where, where he can mold the team's image. Inter are already a world-old machine. It's just getting a new battery and as, as you were. But yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the judo will be something that I'd like to see um, Tuchel grab once once the Agnelli family realised that Allegri is stuck in 2015. Exactly. Allegri hasn't been... And speaking of Juventus, they're losing 1-0. Candreva scored. Salentana. Yeah, yeah, 1-0. What Salentana have done here, from the brink of the administration middle of the season, to now 
on course to be a mid-table with Serial team here, they've done a great job. The new owners have done a great job because they were a week away from, from liquidating. And that's why we love football, man. We love football because anything can happen. Any team can either be shit one day and good the next or the opposite way around. Look at Carver uh, 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 Shalia. Yeah. Winger from Georgia, last season, only people who like proper research footballers, which are in the minority, knew of this guy. Now he's one of the best up-and-coming wingers in the Premier League. So, yeah. But <laughs> speaking of cover, bro, he tore us a new arsehole. And Liverpool, like we need, even though there was no Premier League, even though Champions League was midweek, I, I can't. I think I'll be a coward if I didn't speak about us getting getting destroyed because it was four one, but in the first half it could have been six nil. Like this match could, could easily end the seven one eight eight one if, if Napoli were more clinical. Like it was a bloodbath. Your your, your midfield was non-existent. Your back line was VVD, disgusting. Yeah, VVD was was on his on his own. Gomez was moving like a bozo. Trent was having a cigar on on his side of the pitch, like. People say, oh, once Thiago is fit again, oh, Liverpool will be fine. But people seem to forget, yeah, even if Thiago in the pitch in the first half against Fulham, you guys are getting bought. So I don't know if Thiago coming back will actually make you guys good again. Like, people are underestimating the problem. It's a, it's a huge problem. And firstly, like, I was in denial with the whole Klopp seven years thing. But I saw another stat that made me worry. In Dortmund, I think it was, like, in his first 17 games of the season or of the not of the league season, like just the season in general, Dortmund went behind 10 times. And what's one of Liverpool's problems at the moment, which which started last season, by the yeah. way, in we're, the final going, months. we're going behind a lot. And going behind always leaves you so much to do. So that's one issue with Liverpool that's very apparent. Yes, our midfield was non-existent. Yes, Milner was poor. And yes, Milner should not be playing for Liverpool. But you made a good point, Trent. He's been absolutely diabolical this season. What happened against Carver has happened all season where defensively, he just, it's not, it's not even as if that he's bad. He's just not trying. He's not engaging. He's not engaging at all. He's, he's not engaging at all. Van Dijk, to be fair, against Napoli, I don't think he was great, but I felt like that was one of his better games. And like you said, he was alone, but still, he's not the Virgil that like, we, that we man was bullying him. That's the first time I've seen my guy get bullied in a while, man. Yeah, like he, he got proper bullied. Like normally it's like he's not engaging. It's like, but he got, pro he, got given the runaround and then when uh, Osterman came off it was a bit easier for him but even still Robertson people are calling for Tsimikas and people like the people who are calling for Tsimikas to replace Robertson people are not even getting onto them because that's how bad Robertson is yeah. and then Mo Salah you asked me a question when will I start getting worried about him and I said game 20 to be honest I'm, I'm worried now because I saw a start in his last 28 games he scored 7 goals yeah it's the start of the African like this goal job that he these goal jobs that are becoming more regular in his career now is a bit scary, you know what I mean? Like, it is a, scary. Because this is how Alba's decline started from. It started in a mad goal job, and you're thinking, yeah, he'll, he'll pick it up the following season. You never and it continues. And yeah. what and the issue is with Salah is last season, what was good with him was even when he was on his goal draw and not scoring that much. He was at least creating. Okay, yes, on paper, he's creating chances, but he's not... He's still getting into shooting positions. Exactly. He's not getting into shooting... He's not. Even against Napoli, he was more... He was more of an inside forward, what we asked for, and Trent was more out wide, the tactical changes that we want, but he wasn't a threat, and that needs to change. Luis Diaz, as much as he played well against Napoli, a pattern that I'm seeing is... We didn't see that Luis Diaz in the first half. 
and we also saw it against Crystal Palace where he's pressing a lot, he's actually taking on players, he's shooting, but it only happens when we're go behind. So with Liverpool, there's a lot of problems and it's looking very, very worrying because it's the same signs as we saw with Dortmund and Klopp needs to change it. His press conference after the Napoli game was encouraging because I've never seen him speak like that. But words are just words. Actions speak louder than words. One thing Klopp needs to understand is the way he wants to play football, he needs to be refreshing his team every four or five years. Yeah. Like, otherwise, wear and tear will come in. Not even physically, sometimes even mentally. Mentally, exactly. And I feel like with a lot of players, you can see it. Ment- mentally, it's there. Because you can say physically, but in the last 30 minutes against Napoli, even though, yes, they were 4-0 up, but you saw how second balls, we weren't letting them rest. I'm just thinking that's when players have 60 minutes in the legs how come they're doing this now against Crystal Palace we saw it as well in some um, sections of the game against Everton so you're right he needs to refresh in his squad that's his issue and also him not getting a Gini replacement is also an issue people can say what they want about Gini goals and assists passing forward and all of that but his importance in the counter press and keeping us compact and stopping counter attacks was needed and we haven't had that since like quick side note here the likes of genie gun 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 every top team needs, needs, needs that type of player 100 percent. that player who's willing to do the dirty work get the mouths in win the ball back lay off to the to the players to do their thing every top team needs that type of player like united's that. last great team had that with jason park yeah city have that with gundogan for the last six years um chelsea had that with um kante Ante, Ramirez, Makaleli, yeah. like every top side need this. Arsenal had this with Gilberto yeah, Silva. Gilberto. So Liverpool and Klopp, they need, they need to pull their finger out because it's not just one midfielder. Like there needs to be a whole refresh of yeah. the squad. But Bruno needs to understand who's prepared to yeah. take over within the next 18 months. Exactly. Bruno needs to be done. He's yeah, he's, he's, his legs are gone. His legs yeah. are gone. And to be honest, at the end of the day, I don't, I can't even get... Fabinho is one of the world-class players, world-class in quotation marks, because there's going to be on audio. Players are playing poorly that I don't get onto as much. Yes, he's playing very bad. He's playing very bad. Let me make that clear. But he's playing a role where, firstly, he leads our press. He's playing with... Hendo will be supporting the right winger and right back. And then our left sentiment, whoever that is, is doing the other job on the left. So more often than not, he's on his own having to scan and patrol the midfield. And doing that week in, week out for four or five years is long. Look look at Rodri in the, in the game against Aston Villa. The, Aston Villa's goal was his fault. Um, there were chances Aston Villa uh, created that where Rodri got overran. But the thing is with Rodri, Rodri will have Gunu and I'll support him. Rodri has Calvin Phillips that come off the bench. So when he's struggling, he can get a rest. Fabinho cannot get a rest. And it's relentless. It's, it's relentless. And Liverpool need to change that because it's, it's looking spooky. If this continues, I said third or second, we might even struggle to make fourth because at the moment, United are playing better than us. Yeah. Spurs are playing better than us. Uh, City are obviously playing better than us. And Arsenal are playing better than us. So that's four teams already that are playing better than us. So this needs to change and needs to change next game week like, if it goes crazy, on. Yeah. The DM market year is the dress has been for a while. Now. So every person that, in that market for a defensive midfielder is, is a prospect, whether you like it or not. Danilo from Palmeiras, Zubamendi from Sociedad, um, Sangari from PSV, Mohamed Kamara from Monaco. All those players there are going to need an adapt- adaptation period here to, to embed themselves into the Premiership, whoever signs them. 
So like it's a mass situation. Like DM position here is a very hard position to sign for because most DMs here were brought up playing the midfield too. Only Robbie Lavia here currently has been playing in the lone pivots from his youth days. And that's because Man City have a system where everyone mimics the first yeah. team. And with, I said it last season when we were speaking about Scott McTominay and United needing a DM, playing as a lone DM is one of the hardest positions in the world. People think it's easy. You can just get anyone. If you look in the past 10 to 15 years, there's only been a handful of DMs that have Lone DMs have played to that level at a world class level. Sergio Busquets is one. Fabino is done it for Liverpool. Thomas Partey did it. Um, Thomas Partey was was playing at a world class level um, when he plays for Arsenal. Rodri's playing at a world class level for Man City. At Atletico, they played in a double. Yeah. So that single pivot position is very very hard. But look, let's let's see because at the end of the day, we're not gonna make any signings until January. We physically yeah. can't. So these players, they just need to step up because. At the end of the day, signings or not, it doesn't excuse what's going on. Yeah, like you guys should really have enough to come top four comfortably. We should have enough to come top three. We should, we shouldn't. We struggled against Fulham. We should have beaten Palace. Palace is Palace and Bournemouth are one of the two games where, and Newcastle second half where I'll say we played well. But every other game, we deserve to lose or draw at best, and that's not good enough. With the players that we have, they need to step up. But for me, I just wanted to talk on that because people are just saying midfield, midfield, midfield. And yes, the midfield is a problem. The midfield's been a problem since about 2019. We've just gone away with it. Yeah, but yeah. now we've gone to a point where we can't get away with the it. The league has co-op to you. Exactly. Or the slack. The thing is that that's what happens in football. The league will always catch up to the teams at the top. You will never, this is not the Bundesliga, this is not League R. Teams always get like teams always get cut up to look at Arsenal, the the last great Arsenal side. Yeah. The that core was started being built in the early 2000s. And by 2006, that's a five, six-year period. Finish. Everyone everyone had caught up to them. The last great United team, the core of that, that started in 2006, 2007. By 2012, 2013, caught up to that. That's a six, seven-year period. Even Chelsea under Jose Mourinho, 2004, that's when that team started. And then by around 20. 2012, I'll, I'll even say 2011, because 2012, that was the end of them. But by tw- 2011... That's when they started declining. What's that? A seven-year gap. So a six, seven-year gap, you'll always see the league catch up because no one can be good forever. Also, I feel like what often people underestimate is, yeah, Pep is only doing what Fergie did in the the 90s. When you win the league title, you will go out there and improve the team somehow to always be a step ahead. And Pep is just doing it consistently. So I don't mind people try to say, oh, Man City are overspending or they're ruining the league. They're just doing what Fergie was doing in in the 90s, which was to... Strengthen regardless of you winning the league. You strengthen so that you stay one step ahead. City are not ruining no league. I think that's just salty Liverpool fans and salty United fans and some salty Arsenal fans who the team are not at the top. They just want to play a blame game. If you talk about United sides, if you want... United had about three, four great sides under Fergie and that's not by coincidence. If If you look at goalkeepers... In the all time, you can either pick between Shamaiko and Van der Sar. They had some howlers in between. Full backs, you had Evra, Irwin, Gary Neville. Center backs, you had Pallister, Bruce, Ferdinand, Vidic. Midfield, you had Stan. Vidic, you had Scholes, Keane, Carrick. Um, strikers, you had York, Sheringham, Solskjaer, Venistraloy, Rooney, Tevez. Wingers, Weber, you had Be- Beckham, Giggs, um, K- and Kanchelskis, Lee Sharp, Cristiano Ronaldo. Like, 
there's a reason why we're listing off names because Fergie knew these players cannot always be playing week in, week out for seven years. And this is what City are doing. Look at the City's first great side. Your midfield, you had Fernandinho, David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Sane, Sterling, Kuna Guerrero. Now you have Rodri Gunuan, um, KDB, you have Erling Haaland, you have Foden, you have Riyad Mahrez. Like, look at how many players have changed from the first team. And that first team, like, that was what, even, 2018? Yeah, that that was that line. long ago. Yeah, even, even the backline. Backline. Cancelo wasn't there when they got 100 points. Uh, Ruben Diaz wasn't there when they got 100 points. Kyle Walker was. So you always need to refresh the core of your team. And Pep, that's why Pep and Sir Alex Ferguson, in terms of managers, are th- at the top. They sit at their own table because they're what the two managers have been able to win year in, year out for such a long time because they're always refreshing. And that's why Klopp has always been behind Pep and he's going to remain behind Pep if he continues with this loyalty and, and sentimentality. The same reason why Wenger was always behind Fergie. Exactly. It's it's literally... Uh, Klopp is literally a less successful Wenger in terms of leagues. Yeah, so, what, Actually, both my three league titles in total, essentially. Oh, no, I'm talking Premier League, Premier League. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, we're, we're literally seeing an iteration of that now. Like, literally the exact same mistakes Wenger made, Klopp is making. The exact that, same good things it, Fergie did, it, Pep is doing. It's just that right now, like, what, the scoreboard is 4-1 in, in terms of titles? 4-1, 4-1 about to be 5. First, that, that's not rivalry from like history will not be, be kind, will not, will not be kind to you guys. So, yeah, no, nah, history, history won't be kind because people don't remember context. I don't blame them, people don't yeah. need to remember the fact yeah. that we lost by one point and got 90 plus okay, points in yeah. those races. It's our fault. The Arsenal United the Wapoli was 1997 to 2004 because Chelsea broke in 2005. Yeah, in that period, yeah, United got four, Arsenal got three, exactly. And that was a, a toss of a coin during the old T-O-3 season where Arsenal, um. Well, five points in March and bottled it. Otherwise, it would have been easy 4-3 to us. You can look back at that and say, yeah, actually, Duopoly, 4-3 was close. It was contested very closely. Duopoly in terms of league titles yeah. won. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But this one, in terms of league title won, no, it's not Duopoly. In terms yeah. of how the seasons have gone, yes, fair enough. But not give about context. But all you'll see is Pep is about to make it 5-1. Like, unless, yeah, something, yeah. unless something crazy happens here and Arsenal or Spurs win the title here, it's going to be 5-1. And then from then on, yeah, Liverpool are, are now playing catch-up. We're, because... we're playing catch-up, yeah. exactly. So, pff, unless you guys somehow start padding Europe like Real Madrid did when Barcelona were doing their thing, no one's going to give a fuck about you guys in, in, in 20 years from now. And it's now, it's it's the truth. It's, it's harsh because at the end of the day, like for Liverpool fans who are listening, we're not saying this Liverpool team are shit. We're not saying that the crap. They've been really, really good, but they've un- they've underachieved at the yeah. end of the day. They've they've gone to three Champions League finals. I've only won one. They've finished second by one point twice and won the league once. So it could have easily been what two Premier Leagues and two Champions League. That would have that would have been a lot more respectable because because yeah. in terms of Premier League, it'll be three two, and in in terms of Champions League, it'll be two 0 but at the end of the day, Champions League is 1-0. Yes, we've done well, but the fact that City is 4-1, it's in their favour. So Yeah, and all they need is one Champions League. It's just completely killed the argument. Yeah, exactly. The argument's already killed at the end of the day because yeah. they, they have the, they've won the FA Cup. They have the domestic treble. They will start padding the Carabao Cup. But 
look, let's let's see next next game week if it goes on Touchwood. Let's see. There's even Champions League tomorrow if that goes on Touchwood for Liverpool to bounce back. But they need to bounce back next game and they need to go on a run. Not even like winning streak. They need to go on a run where even if they four, draw... Four or five they, games of solid yeah, season. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But let's see. I feel like I, I want to start talking about Liverpool because if I continue, I'm just going to be repeating myself because a lot of the things we said here, we said last week. So, yeah. nah. And the worst you could do is when you're, you're repeating yourself, which means not no progress has been made, which is crazy. Exactly, exactly. Um, I, I, I fully agree. One thing I wanted to talk about, even though I don't really watch this league that often, but I'll watch extended highlights and I watched a game against Brest this weekend. PSG, the start to the season, and especially Neymar and Mbappe, the way they've started the season is as if both of them want that Ballon d'Or because at, at, the, at the moment if you're mentioning the best players this season they're up there alongside with KDB yeah. and Erling Haaland they yeah. started this season fantastically well Not like it's all, it's all down to Christoph Gaultier giving them the platform to do their thing balance 3-4-3 system I, I don't know what Poch did wrong they didn't Poch's only mistake was not being able to command the respect of the team and second of all not be able to consistently impose his will onto the team. For example, a three-four-three. Three. Even when he implemented a three-four-three, three, it was still that difficult to watch. Yeah, they weren't so, creating chances. One thing yeah. we can't underestimate is Gautier has a second midfielder to play next to Verratti. That's yeah. intense. Can keep the ball. Can press. So in terms of like winning the ball back, progressing the ball, being complete in every stage of the play, PSG now have two midfielders that can do that, and that allows for the front three not to trap back as much. So it helps. But bro, Neymar, and I, for me personally, I want him to win the Ballon d'Or because he was the person that was meant to be next up after Messi and Ronaldo. Benzema, who's going to win it, and Modja have won it before him. But those two Ballon d'Ors realistically should have been Neymar. And I feel like this might potentially be his last chance, potentially. Yeah. Like, and even, even this one year, he might even need the Champions League. I don't know if he's in the World Cup, and he's the main man year. That should put him in the... Exactly. Conversation for Agreed. Agreed. Because at the moment he's PSG's best player, and he, he's the main creative. He's one of the main creative players alongside Leo Messi. Plus, he's getting the goals. He's playing to the expectations that we all expected of him at PSG. He just needs to keep fit and just continue this, and he's going to be well in because talent alone, he's one of the best players in the world. Easily, easily. Like he's just been very unlucky with injuries, man. Very unlucky. It's, it's the same with Usman Dembele as well. Usman Dembele started this season on fire. He's also been unlucky with injuries, but he had a lot of hype behind him, rightfully so, but he hasn't yeah, but lived up to it. With Usman, yeah, it was to do with his lifestyle, man. Poor recovery, late night, fortnight, not eating properly. Like He didn't come out to admit that he, he wasn't doing what was needed to be done off the pitch to stay fit. And Javi seems to have come around, put his arm around him, got him focused. And also, we... Also, we can't underestimate how get, getting married here can, can keep a man focused on. A hundred percent. If you have that one girl that holds you down, you're focused. You're not out chasing tail. You're not out on Instagram DMing people. You're focused. Well, so, some man might, might be, but yeah, you're right. This is not fashion fit, so let's not talk about that. <laughs> but but um, now you're right. You're right. I feel like with Neymar and Bap, even Usman Dembele, because I wanted to bring him in. I'm happy that Neymar and Dembele have started this season the way they did because... 
one thing that's so annoying is players who don't reach their potential when they have so much talent. And I hope this season they're able to take advantage of it. Yeah, so I think that's a, that's a good segue into La Liga, man. La Liga race, Barcelona Madrid have started like a house on fire, man. It's it's like the olden days. Both yeah. both teams have have started very well. Xavi, he's implementing his style. He has the respect, and he has a very deep squad attacking wise. They probably have the best attacking unit in the whole of yeah. Europe in terms yeah. of depth and quality. And it's Real that, Madrid, it's just that their defense will hold them back from doing one in Europe. Yeah, yeah, right back. No way, man. Like. They, also, they lack a lot of PNP at the back, man. Which they do. Madrid have. Which, which helps Madrid. And also, like, even though he started the season well on the ball, he's fantastic. He's one of my favorite midfielders ever in transition, which is going to happen a lot in the Champions League. Sergio Busquets is going to get caught out. Yeah. We, we all know that. But one thing I wanted to talk about La Liga, not even the race. You saw that tweet. Well, firstly, there was a tweet about from one La Liga fan complaining about the Premier League and then La Liga complained about the, the Premier League. Yeah, the, about how the, the, how the financial gap... And for me, it's so cheeky because not even recently, in the early noughties, they broke the record with Luis Figo, then they broke the record with Zinedine Zidane and that was the record for a long time. And then they broke their own record with Kaká, then they broke it with Ronaldo in the same summer. Then they broke it with Gareth Bell a couple years later. It's not even like that's with them breaking records. Then in and terms they spent of 100 m on Hazard just two summers ago. They spent 100 m on Hazard, and then there's Barcelona. They spent 100 m on Coutinho, 100 m plus on Coutinho, Griezmann, and Usman Dembele. In terms of poaching superstars from the Premier League, that always used to happen. Ruud van Nistelrooy, he said it in a podcast with um, um, Rio Ferdinand. He had a clause in his contract saying that the only team that he will leave United for or that United have to allow him to speak to, no matter what his contract situation is, is Real Madrid. Cesc Fabregas, Barcelona. Luis Suarez, Barcelona. Um, there's, there's, there's many more. Uh, Alexander Kleb went to Barcelona. Adrian Gideonson, who was good at Chelsea, went to Barcelona. The top two teams in La Liga have been poaching the best players all around oh, Europe. Also, second of all, over them, 20 years. Also, them having access to a, a large amount of the TV money not being shared equally in Spain that too exactly exactly so it it created a situation where the top two are always going to be the top two yes historically they're the biggest clubs but you're seeing in England historically Liverpool and United are the biggest clubs but doesn't mean they always finish top two because the money is distributed equally in La Liga that didn't happen and they're just facing the consequences yes COVID hit everyone hard but the fact that financially, the foundations of the Premier League were solid. That's why they've been able to recover quickly. That hasn't happened in La Liga. And they can't now be complaining about spending because that's what they were doing for the past 20, 25 years. It's like the, the popcorn, the kettle black. They, like, the hypocrisy is yeah. mad and it really annoys me. Also, for them to be so naive to think that Madrid and Barcelona being the product to sell for years to come here was, was, was stupid because after a while, yeah, no one cares about Madrid Barcelona title race. They care more about Rodrigo and Barcelona in the Champions League. And one thing that these leagues have not done well yet is market their leagues properly to the Far East. The Premier League became what it is today because of marketing, marketing the product to the Far East. All, all those summers in the mid, mid-2000s yeah, when they're doing the Premier League Asia Trophy year to promote the league in Asia, they think they think it was for nothing. Bro, they were mashing work to get those big, big TV goals in the Far East. And they were mashing bare work. And it's crazy because Madrid tried that, but they didn't push it hard enough. Bayern Munich have just started 
trying to tackle the Far East market recently. It's as if like all these guys are behind the game. Don't, don't even underestimate. You remember um, there was a couple of years where a Premier League side will go to South Africa and yeah. play Kaiser Chiefs and Orlando Pirates. That's the only reason I know these clubs. This wasn't just for preseason. This is for to expand their image and to get fans within those countries. In Africa, the most watched league is the Premier League. Almost every African person that watches football supports a Premier League side. And then if they support a La Liga side, it's going to be Real Madrid and Barcelona. Your Atletico fans are fans in Madrid or you have you can have pockets of them around the world, but it's mostly in Madrid and Spain. Valencia, mostly in Valencia and Spain. Sevilla, mostly in Sevilla and Spain. But bro, in the Premier League with Spurs, you get a Spurs fan from all around the world. So for me, that, that comment was just so cheeky and they need to look at themselves and they need to create a plan because at the end of the day, technically the La Liga is, they have good technical players, but nobody is going to watch La Liga. You saw on social media or whoever you spoke to, the Premier League wasn't on and people were acting as if football wasn't on this weekend. Football was on, the other four leagues were on, but the best like league people, wasn't on. People would much, much rather watch League R or Serie A over La Liga. That's, the, and, that, that, that's been a common, um, a common theme. Like, they thought La Liga is too slow and some of these teams in La Liga are more defensive than Premier teams, you know. By the way, it's 2-0. You were losing 2-0. Yeah. Allegri needs to go, man. My guy on YouTube, fam. I haven't forgot his name. Jurentis TV. The guy on TikTok, fam. Like he, he, his um, profile is <laughs> funny, man. Ah, uh, he's, he's gonna be banging tables. <laughs> muchacha Allegri. Muchacha, muchacha Allegri. <laughs> hey, oh, nah, that's my guy, joking. man. He's, he's fucking hilarious, man. Because of you, I followed him. And every, yeah. every time his video comes up, I always watch it. Before, Because you remember before, I was defending Allegri a bit because I was holding on, on to 2017. But then he was saying some stuff, saying some stuff. And then there was one week, I'm like, let me watch Juve. Bro, I lasted seven minutes. Bro. And you know bro. how much I love football. I lasted bro, seven minutes. I told, I, couldn't, you, I, I told I, you that. I couldn't I, do it. This is, worse, you, this is worse than any iteration of Jose I've seen. Let me we part of TikTok, fam. Like, we need to actually put in properly, fam. Like, it makes good content, fam. Actually, let me try finding properly, man. Uh, now, because it's 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 embarrassing. Like, what what, what are you doing? Like the downward trajectory that they've had yeah, since 2017 yeah. has been poor. His name's Luca, fam. It's called Luca, fam. Juventus fan TV. Yeah, yeah, that's my guy, man. Hilarious. Not you my man, guy, but but I, I like his content, fam. He's fucking hilarious. If you listen to Luca, yeah, link up in it, fam. Like, just come on the pod in it. Yeah, me, fam. Now, 100, 100, he needs to get out of the pot. We need to speak about Juve with him. But now, back, back to La Liga. They, and the next international break, we're going to do like a proper deep dive, not just to La Liga. We're going to talk about Serie A, Bundesliga, Liga. Yeah. Uh, because I feel like these leagues can actually maybe not catch up to the Premier League because I think the Premier League is too uh, far the gone. The Premier League, they have found this privilege from. Found this yeah. privilege. Yeah, it's, like, it's basically but, the Super League, but yeah. they, they can close the gap. They can yeah. definitely close they, the they get their fair share of money so that the Premier League is not you don't have relegation teams you're signing the likes of Ren and Lodi fam. Exactly. Like that's that's where it's a bit come that's up. when you that's when you yeah. know it's bad. And yet, like Tony Cruz came up came up with a comment and he was right in the sense that everybody talks about the Premier League, but in terms of European trophies, they haven't won it. Yes, we are Madrid and Barcelona when they're at the best, will always compete with the best in the Premier League. It's always been like that. But a league is not two clubs. A league is 20 clubs. And what you just said is spot on. Renard Lodi went to a newly promoted team. Um, 
Remo Freuler, who was instrumental in Atalanta reaching Champions League in Serie A, went to a newly promoted team. Like mm-hmm. that's but there's someone else who Bruno G- Guimaraes, who is Ali- yeah, a Madridista in the making, went to Newcastle. Newcastle. Bruno Guimaraes could have gone to Real Madrid, started, he wouldn't have looked out of place. Yeah. He could have gone to Barcelona and started, wouldn't have looked out of place. But he came to Newcastle. Lucas Paqueta is at West Ham. West Ham. Jan Lucas Gamaka, who is one of the best young strikers in Europe. If you look in terms of available, cheap young strikers, he was probably the best you could get. West and Ham he, got him. And he only ended up at West Ham because Milan can't afford him, Inter can't afford him. And Juve had garbage already. Like now, Sada is from. Like he he wanted Inter, but Inter can't afford him. Inter might manage to get a, a bargain price for Lukaku back on loan. Even Lukaku is not pulling up any any trees at Inter right now. It's, it's a bit dry. But yeah, like Kamaka missed on a move to Inter because Inter can't afford him. Thirty-five more, you know, they can't afford it because Sassuolo are like, why we allow Mandemi to come rent our players essentially for five exactly. Minutes? Exactly, exactly. And 35 mil in this market is a flipping bargain. And at the end of the day, like people can say what they want about the Premier League, all the money in the Premier League, but they've earned it. They proper yeah. earned it. They, and they've grinded and, all those years. Like all, all those summers and preseason year where they're doing their Barclays Asia Trophy tour, people think it was for fun. Looking back here, I deeped it. This was an amazing promo campaign. It was. It was. The fact that almost every Premier League stadium is decent. I think the only other league that can compete in terms of good stadiums is, the, is, is the Bundesliga. Also, also this is what people underrate about the Barclays Asian Premier League trophy. Some summers, yeah, they'll just put four mid-table teams into the competition and let them promote the product. It wasn't always the big teams going over. Exactly. But exactly. only in the, in the latter years, yeah, they started to send Arsenal, United, Chelsea. Liverpool. Yeah. But early, it was mainly the mid-table teams, there'll always be one big team or one decent team and the rest of the mid-table teams going there to do their thing and build a brand. So these need to catch on. Now, they, they definitely do. And that that comment, uh, I'm not having it. I, I, I really wanted to speak about it because the hypocrisy is mad. It's absolutely mad and, and it needs it needs to stop. It really, really yeah. needs to stop. Yeah, because there's, but, there's, there's, there's nothing to go around. Just like these league presidents here. One of these guys, the the cocks for buying it, so they don't want to change. Serie A, they feel like they're entitled to having the same amount of money. They don't want to match the work. The Liga as well, they don't want to match the work. Serie A stuck in the nineties. Yeah. The state, the stadiums are nineties standards. The tactics, the tactics or the mentality that some managers have are nineties esque. Right. It's, they, it's, they, they, they don't want to promote young talent. Yeah, exactly. They they only trust in old players. That's why you always see every time an old player is done at a top Premier League club. We've seen it with Olivier Giroud. We've seen it with Nemanja Matic. They go, they go to Serie A because they always rate experience, but that's not how football is now. Football is a young man's game and they haven't caught on to that. And yeah. in the 90s, they were innovative. They had innovative coaches, yeah. Capello. They, they had signed Nebdet from Sparta Prague. Exactly. Year, yeah, they were very innovative. You look at where, go look at where Cafu came from. They got Ronaldo. Look where he he yeah. came from as well. Ronaldo, even though Ronaldo stopped by at Barcelona, Italian teams wanted him before he went to Barcelona. Yeah. They got Zidane from a, from from Bordeaux. From Bordeaux, they were very innovative. They were doing what a lot of Premier League clubs are doing now. They will go to all these low key places, get low key players, and then turn them into stars, turn them into world renowned names. Even Al- Alessandro Del Piero, he, he you know he's not a Juve youth product. They got him from oh. the second. Yeah, exactly. Wow. They, 
they're going from a second division club. Um, Gerano Gattuso, second division, um, a lower league club, and then turned them into legends. That's what they were doing back in the 90s, but they just fell away from it because they got all this money and then they just started acting stupid. But the things with the Premier League, yes, some clubs act stupid. We say it week in, week out, but that's a rarity. Yeah. And also, we have the resources to correct our mistakes, so... And I'm lucky for them, man, innit? Like, like look, Tebas, stop being a prick. Use your head. Like, I'm going to lie, Tebas needs to be removed for, for a younger president, man. Because he's such an old fool, man. Such an old fool. Nah, and, he is. He and is. they are deluded. They're stuck in the 90s. Bundesliga, Cox for buying. Everyone opening Nash for buying. And when they complain why no one wants to watch your crap. Liga is a funny one because... That's the only league I feel sorry for. Because... They have a, they have a good distribution of players across yep. the teams. It's actually competitive, like week in, week out. Yes, PSG always win it, but if you watch PSG's games, the reason why P- like PSG win because they have quality, but yeah. the quality has to work hard because yeah. the other teams they have PMP, they have tech. The only issue is at the moment, no other team has the financial muscle yeah, to, to, challenge them. to challenge PSG. Yeah. So that's why I feel sorry for them. But like you said, La Liga, Bundesliga, and Serie A, they don't have that excuse. I'm sorry, they really don't. Yeah, also, one thing. That could help you is that these foreign investors you need to understand the Premier League cake has been eaten already, fam. No one's yeah. coming in yet to, to break up the big six, it's set in stone. No it's, not, it's not even I, that your ROI is not going to be that yeah. high. The Saudis got lucky with Newcastle that was 200 million because if they execute the plan well, they can turn Newcastle into a billion dollar I, club. Even that's, that, a yeah. ra- that's a rarity and that's a big if as well, yeah, because the toast is already set in stone. Man City got lucky. Abramovich got lucky. Now, yeah, it's so competitive that Newcastle, yeah, they they are up against it, from because it took Man City what? So Sheikh Mansour bought Man City in 08, won his first start in his full season. Newcastle is going to take a long while because it's going to rely on likes of Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal, maybe Liverpool, maybe United, yeah, to fall away a bit for someone else to come and take that space. So mm-hmm. there'll always be a rotation. No one's going to dominate for a long time. And these investors, I, I need to understand, the Premier League cake is done. Go invest in other leagues. Serie A, Roma could do with a billionaire owner. Lazio could do with a billionaire owner. Um, even AC Milan, even Napoli. Um, in, in in La Liga, Valencia, they could do with a billionaire owner. They are the forgotten third big club in the, the forgotten big club in Spain. League A, Marseille, Lyon, um, likes of Nice. Actually, Nice are owned by any of it, but just that he doesn't feel compelled to spend crazy amounts of money to keep up with PSG. Which I don't understand, but hey, um, yeah, like there's so much opportunity in other leagues, yeah, and these players only see the premiership sometimes, yeah, it takes that one person to start something new, to start the new, the new cycle. But hey, man, it's all a risk. But if I was a billionaire, I, I'd be looking at Serie A, La Liga, and Liga, man, for, for opportunity, man. Same because the ROI that you can get in those leagues is a man, I'm sure is you can a lot higher right now, yeah, for less than 200 more, man. Uh, 100%. You could probably buy a lot of. La Liga team Sevilla Valencia you could probably buy them for max you'd be spending max absolute 250. max 250 and that in this modern day that's cheap Bargain. like like if I was a billionaire I would love to grab Valencia man like the fourth forgotten big club in Spain two time La Liga champions in the, in the early 2000s yeah um, made the Champions made the final back to back years yeah like that would be a perfect project for a billionaire man Especially when the stadium is already, already half built, just like you have the finances to complete it. Perfect, man. Perfect story. But hey, man. Even even in um, league, oh, uh, 
clubs like Monaco, Nice, in terms of like play, like play as a place, those places are so nice to live that convincing players to come play there and live yeah. there will be Nisha, hard. They're owned by Jim Ratcliffe, just like he doesn't want to bankroll Nice like that. He doesn't see them as that type of project. It's more like a, I don't know, how Leicester are run. That, that's how he wants to run Nice. He doesn't want to run Nice yet to challenge PSG. Even though they have the finances for it, they're, they're moving like cheapskates. I, but the thing is, I hear him because at the end of the day, like, it's a, it's a big risk. You, you can spend all that money, you still might not win the league. You can spend all that money, people still want to go to play for PSG because PSG are already established. You, you said how Man City got lucky. PSG also got lucky because PSG came when Lyon's dominant, dominance ended. And then there was like six or seven league winners in like six or seven years. Yeah. So it was always rotating. And there was, there was a need for somebody to come at the top. PSG came and took a stranglehold of it. If he came, if the Nice owner came, in that period, maybe it would have been different because maybe he, couldn't be, he would be like, raw, I can invest and there's actually a big chance of me winning and dominating. Like, but, even, even Marseille could be a good a good project for a billionaire. Marseille are still the biggest club in in, in in France, only Champions League winners in France. Saint-Étienne as well. They've won the league the most times. I know, but they're, they're bottom in League 1 right now. It's not looking good for them still. What, what, what a fall from grace, but like I said, international break, we'll do a proper deep dive, like we'll come with facts and figures, but these leagues, they need to stop crying. They really do, because at the end of the day, this was a very big chance for them to be like, grab some new fans. But at the end of the day, when the Premier League comes back, the eyes that were on these leagues are just going to go straight back to the Premier League. And it's going to take a while for these leagues to get a fair share of fans and people and viewership. Yeah, it's, it's of the, of the billions available around the world. Like it, the blueprint is there. It's just like are they up to follow it? The blueprint is there. The Far East, that's how the Premier League managed to build connections in the Far East, get those big deals. All the money is in the Far East. It is, it is. You just, they just need to tap into it. But now nah, let's see. Let's see. Hope I'm I'm just hoping that the Premier League is back next week because a weekend without the I can't go three weekends without the yeah, Premier League. Like, the PO took the mic virtue signaling you. Now 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 the police want to use it as an excuse not to have resources available for, for league games because PR being idiots wanted the virtue signaling has now given authorities an excuse here to pull out the resources here anytime they want because of certain events happening in London. Like the PR yeah, massive dickhead dick, dickheadry, man, absolute stupidity. <laughs> There was no reason to cancel games. But now, yeah, well, authorities now want to take the mix now because a president has been set. And even some teams want to take advantage of this unprecedented situation here to pull out games here and there. This is a take the mix. Like, it's, it's not jarring. I don't I don't know with certain Premier League teams, man. Any sort of thing that comes up that cancels games, they want to abuse the system. Like, love it. End of the day, you're going to play the game at some point in the season. For me, that's not even the biggest issue. I'm not going to lie because you saw the report that came out. Every team that was in Europe wanted games to go ahead yeah. but it was the lower down teams that were voting against it and it, it annoys you because people might think oh this is just me being elitist and get on to the lower down teams the more games you postpone the more games you have to play later this is already one the most condensed season like, ever. they're already going to play 22 league games in 2023 now that, that's potentially going to be 23, 24, even 25 so the some teams will some teams will have to play 
Monday, Wednesday, uh, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday for like two, three weeks. Player welfare is always the last thing on these clubs and these organizers' mind. And for me, it's just embarrassing. And don't be surprised if we just get a pile of injuries. Really, no what's crazy? Today, 11, 9-11. Uh, I said it now. Don't be surprised if it happens no, in the season. Crazy. Is these two teams who will be bitching the most come the running from? When, when, when their key players are missing for their relegation scraps, they'll start bitching about, oh, five subs this, five subs that, oh, um, there's, there's a big disparity in resources. I'm thinking, like, stop complaining. Like, like, like some, some of these teams, they piss me off, man. Nah, it's, a, it's annoying. But, bro, I'm, I'm hoping that our next episode will actually talk about Premier League weekend. But, guys, this has been another episode, Views from the Box. Tune in next week. And don't forget to follow us on all platforms. Follow Nana and I as well. Our details will be below on Spotify. Take care.